listener. He just wants to talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look again, slight digression. Inflation is up. It's up. But the fact is that I don't know why they keep moving on that. But the fact is they are working to bring down prices where they're not totally what families, in fact, uh, have to pay now. When you reduce unemployment, sometimes un- uh, inflation goes up. And we're in a situation now where uh, um, you know you should have peace of mind. We've got too much money chasing too few goods. And if you pass this bill back better, we'll have 20% inflation. This is not okay. Whether we're talking about inflation or crime, I believe this is the worst first year of a president in American history. You approve of President Biden's job performance. We ask people, what has President Biden done for you that you approve of? 56% of Americans said nothing. Now let's dive into this week's edition of what in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say? Yeah, a woman said to me, obviously not of the same persuasion as I was politically, called me and said, there's a dead dog on my lawn. She said, I want it out of my front yard. I put it on her doorstep. Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA and FM 1071. KTSA News Times 408. Hi there. Good afternoon. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. I wish for a world, I dream of a world where politicians would just be honest with us and say, we want power, we think we should be in charge. It would save so much time, right? You know, they can't, they always have to pretend that, that what they're doing and what they want is about something bigger. And what I'm referring to is, for years, Uh, There were Democrats in Washington who were allegedly investigating the alleged Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. They told us that was what they cared about. They were on fire about it. They were deeply concerned that Russia had participated in and colluded with actors in the 2016 election. They investigated this in and around candidate and president donald trump now we have the legal filings of special attorney john durham which seem to indicate and again this hasn't been proven but allege and seem to indicate that the russian interference was with internet traffic and communications around trump tower and the trump white house and that it was touched off by people around Hillary Clinton and the DNC, if not Mrs. Clinton herself. So if you care about that as an issue, then you have to at least be somewhat interested in what Durham is saying. You don't have to take it and swallow it whole, but you have to be, you have to pay lip service to it. You have to say, you know, I'm curious. I want to know more. We need to look into this. If it was serious when we thought they did it with the other guy, then it's serious if they did it with this guy or gal. The silence has been deafening. Crickets from all those Democrats that made a name for themselves in the Trump years, Schiff and Swalwell and Joaquin and so many others. They're not saying anything. Hillary has finally spoken out about the Durham filing, and she says it's been fabricated by Fox News and Trump, which I guess is the new shorthand for liberals when when anything happens they don't like fox news just made it up 
She said uh, on Twitter today, Trump and Fox are desperately spinning up a fake scandal. Now, that's fine, and her base will love that, but that isn't Hillary saying it isn't true. That isn't Hillary saying I would never do anything like that or be party to it. That isn't Hillary saying if I ever find out that anybody involved in my campaign had anything to do, I will blow her the boom and they will never work and eat lunch in this town again. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I just, politicians just want power. And when they pretend to care about the bigger issues, they don't. I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, there was a recall election yesterday in San Francisco, and voters recalled three school board members who they felt went too far in making strict mandates during the COVID-19 pandemic. Allison Collins, Gabriela Lopez, and Fogo Maliga were all recalled, with at least 70-plus percent of voters opting to oust each one of those school board members. Lopez was the president of the board. The other two were members. Um, they didn't want to reopen schools. They were also very interested in renaming dozens and dozens of school buildings at a time when kids weren't in school and weren't learning. And so the voters recalled them. Here's why this is different. This isn't like any other recall you've heard about. This isn't like any, any other recent election you've heard about. These are all Democratic voters. This is San Francisco. This is a Democratic city, maybe the most Democratic city in the country, with a 70-plus percent margin throwing out school board members. If even San Francisco voters are sick and tired of COVID mandates, virtual learning, inferior learning outcomes, removing and renaming school buildings. If even San Francisco voters are sick and tired of that, this country is going through something. We are seeing a change right before our eyes. I don't mean to say that we'll all move to San Francisco, but you know, if you've lost San Francisco, American left, you've really lost something. And that's what happened yesterday. Again, over 70% recall of the three school board members. We're going to talk about that. You remember that last month, comedian Bob Saget died in Florida. He was doing a comedy show, and he uh, went to his hotel room after his show, and sometime on the night of January 9th to 10th, he died in his sleep. He was found by the people in the hotel the next day unresponsive. So... It then came out because people wondered and thought, you know, did, did he, did he overdose? Did somebody do something to him? It came out that the cause of his death was head trauma and the chief medical examiner ruled it an accident and said that in all likelihood, Bob Saget had fallen or otherwise hit his head, didn't think he was seriously injured or require medical care, went to sleep, died in his sleep. And that actually happens more often than you would think untreated head injuries. This afternoon, Bob Saget's wife and daughters obtained a temporary injunction to block the release of the medical records of his death. The reason they did that is because media organizations want those records. They want to be able to report. They want to be able to report on photographs and other things from the death scene. The lawyers for the family argued 
that this would cause them mental pain, anguish, emotional distress, and that the media outlets should not be able to obtain those public records. I have to tell you, I am rooting for the family. I think they should get peace. I think they should get privacy. I'm not saying this because I was a big Bob Saget fan. I wasn't. But I'm a big fan of of privacy and dignity for people that are grieving a death. This man's death had nothing to do with the public safety or the public interest. The only reason media organizations are trying to get that stuff is curiosity. And I get that people are curious. I get that people like to consume as much celebrity news as they can. But I kept thinking, what would I want from my family? What would I want for my daughter if this happened to me? Not that I'm a celebrity, but I mean, give these people their peace and their space. We don't need to know. It doesn't need to be published. They should know whatever they need to know. But there's no news value here for the rest of us. If there was a crime, if the authorities were investigating a murder scene, different story. If Bob Saget had been committing a crime at the time of his death, different story. If there was any other way in which his death might have implications for other people living in that community, hey, you really need to know this happened. I could see that even. But no one's saying any of those things. No one is saying that there is any, what they call in the business, compelling interest to release those private records, those death records. So I think they should be sealed. I hope this temporary order becomes a permanent one. What do you think about that? I, I I get that reporters have a job to do, and by all means, they should always try to do it. You won't ever hear me say reporters should be less aggressive. You'll never hear me say that. But I think in this case, um, giving this family their rights and their space and their privacy is the right thing to do. You know, I looked it up, and it appears that... Um, HIPAA privacy applies even after your death. On a website uh, from an HR company called Compliancy Group, it says that uh, HIPAA uh, privacy survives 50 years after the death of the person involved. So give them their privacy. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, the Bob Saget story was not um, something that I, we spent a lot of time on with this show because and I don't mean this to sound cruel or, or callous. I just, you know, I, I know he was famous. I know a lot of people liked him. Uh, he wasn't really my favorite comedian, but, um, and I, I felt bad for his death and he died very young. Um, but then I heard this story in the last couple of days about the family trying to, uh, seal the records. And, um, I guess it just activated in me how I would feel about my daughter. Um, look, there's just no, there's just no nutritive news value in, in Bob Saget's final minutes on earth. Again, had there been a crime, had somebody killed him, if there was suspicion that somebody killed him, if his death involved him doing something illegal or immoral, maybe that's a different story. Maybe I'm saying it differently then, but, but that's not what we're being told. Everything that, that they've come up with so far indicates this man died alone. And accidentally, and um, 
the release, the media release of that stuff would just make these people's grief and pain worse. Why, why would we do that? And maybe that's old-fashioned. Maybe, maybe we live in a world now where privacy is an old-fashioned word, but I still believe in it. I still value mine. I bet you value yours. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. Give them some space. Leave them alone. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Esteban is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Esteban, good afternoon. Good afternoon. You probably recall a certain plane crash that happened in Kerrville, Texas, spring of 1998, involving a pastor in Kerrville. And I remember I loved him. Uh, He was like an older brother. And I remember the news trucks being out at that church, Trinity Baptist Church, Kerrville. I saw a reporter on the corner, and I just walked. I knew another entrance to get to where I was going for the service, and I was basically, I kept my distance from the reporter and walked in because at a certain point it became a media frenzy. I had been at the airport. I was going to actually go flying that morning, but the weather conditions were not good enough. And uh, later that night, he died, and it was I didn't want to. I didn't want my grief to be on KSAT 12 News. And so, as far as the Saget family goes, like you said, it was an accident. I know he was a famous person, but uh, they're family. They didn't want to be famous. Mm-hmm. They kind of, they probably, probably kind of put up with it. Yes, he was America's dad for a while, but you know, as you said, if there was no crime, there's no public interest. And right, so, right. Keep. I, I don't blame. I don't blame people for trying to get the story. I just think this is one of those times when when the facts should be shielded and sheltered. So reporters, you're doing your job. I get it. Thank you for doing your job, but I think the judge should say these records these records are sealed. And uh, Esteban, thank you. Thank you for the call. Um, tell me what you think, 210-599-5555. And then, of course, d- do politicians really care about Russian interference in our elections? No. They care about it if they can use it against the other party, but when it's alleged against their own team, then they don't care about it at all. And this goes for a lot of things, and this goes for both parties, and it's, it's, frankly, it's enervating. I mean, who cares anymore? You know? I mean, on some level, you as a smart person know that Russia is a dangerous country and a regime that we have to be aware of, and, and like many other entities and players in the world, they do want in on our political processes, and they do buy into our political system. Absolutely. So does China. So do a lot of other entities and players, including non-government, non-national ones. But, Really, for all the noise about the Steele dossier, for all the noise about Trump colluding with Russia, the people that made their name on that have said nothing about the Durham filing. They can't even be... And and these were people that the most dangerous place in the world to be a couple of years ago was between Eric Swalwell and a microphone or a camera, right? You could get killed. Can't be found now since the Durham filing on Friday. As far as Hillary's concerned, I think it's interesting. This is about her. This is directly about her. She waits until Vanity Fair, 
which is practically the Clinton family newsletter, puts out an article saying, oh, there's nothing to this, and then she tweets out a link to the Vanity Fair article. So she she's not even capable, I guess, of just denying that she would ever do something like this. And her answer is, well, no, it's just Trump and Fox. Where would these people be without Trump? Well, she'd be president. But I wonder who they would be blaming. They didn't have Trump and Fox. Well, you can look in the mirror. That's who they'd be blaming. See, Trudeau doesn't have Trump or Fox, so he blames his own people. You'd, you'd be blamed. 210-599-5555. Scott is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Scott, good afternoon. Hi, Jack. I love your show. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment on the Bob Sackett deal. Uh, again, never really watched him. You know, I, I think I'd seen him on whatever the, you know, Full House or whatever it was once or twice. But, uh, unless they had a camera in that room, nobody knows what happened. But I would think, you know, he did his show, came home, figured he'd, you know, take a shower before he went to bed. Slipped in the shower, hit his head, cussed like a sailor, and uh, dried off, you know, and went to bed and died in his mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. I, I, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's... Yeah. I, I can I can live the rest I mean, of my life know. not knowing. I, mean, I, I don't need to know what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, I do we need do we need to know? Do we need to know how no, it happened yeah, or what absolutely happened? Absolutely not. And oh. I 100% agree that it's none of our business. He wasn't murdered, you know. I mean, as far as we know, I mean, there was no foul play. There was he wasn't running drugs. Uh, He wasn't uh, driving drunk. You know, it wasn't anything to do with the public, and therefore, it's really none of our business. It's a shame he's dead, but he's dead. Yeah. Okay. We're in the first week of early voting for the primary in Texas, and we're joined on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line right now by former Precinct 3 Bear County Commissioner and now Republican candidate for Bear County Judge, Trish DeBerry. Welcome back to KTSA. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Jack. It's good to be here. So a lot of people, I'm sure, wonder if you, if you, um, what was the thought process in getting elected to Bear County Commissioner's Court and then less than a year in deciding to give up that seat and run for the Bear County Judge uh, position? What, so what is the thinking there? Uh, well, it's a great question. Uh, but you know, Jack, look, I love the seat of County Commissioner in Precinct 3. I probably enjoyed it. Uh, more than I even thought I would. I mean, digging into public policy, really trying to make an impact. I mean, you know, really, I hit the ground running in that seat. Uh, there wasn't a steep learning curve because I've done a lot of, you know, public policy work for a number of years. Um, and that's why I had, you know, I followed the last minute because it was such a difficult decision. Uh, but I will tell you, as I looked at the environment, you know, in which we live today, uh, you know, we haven't had a Republican county judge uh, since 1998. You know, on the dynamics that are at play right now, when we look at 40% inflation, when we look at, you know, almost, you know, three to four bucks at the gas pump, uh, when we look at the borders that are completely open and porous, you know, for human traffickers, etc. I just thought, I think there's a lot of dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. you know, out there right now. And if we were going to get a Republican elected, it was going to be now, or it could be a very long time before we have that opportunity. 
You know, you mentioned a number of things, and the word crisis gets thrown around maybe too much, but but one pretty obvious crisis we have in Bear County is is property taxes pricing people out of their homes. The, this used to be a city renowned for affordable housing. Property taxes are changing that. I completely agree with you, Jack. You know, and it was, it's interesting because, you know, as I block walked when I was running for county commissioner, that is one thing I heard at the doorstep. Even during the pandemic, we were block walking, we were talking to people. You know, to a person, that was the thing that we heard. And so as I continued to block walk, I really, my platform became all about property taxes and appraisal reform. So I was really fortunate, I think, to cultivate the votes that I needed when I was on commissioner's court in that first year, you know, regarding a property tax decrease. And look, although not really significant, I'm not going to brag and boast about it, you know, $4, but at least it was heading in the right direction, which was downward. And I fought hard for that. I cultivated two Democratic votes to be able to get that done. And if I'm county judge, we're going to look for a homestead exemption up to $5,000 at the county that doesn't exist today. We have other taxing entities, the Bear County Hospital District, that we can look to regarding another homestead exemption. And so we build upon relief incrementally. And so that, and I'm also, I was just recently elected vice chair of the Bear County Appraisal District Board. And so I'm fighting for people all day long regarding their appraisals because at the end of the day, Jack, you know this. Right? It's not enough to keep the property tax rate low. If appraisals are going through the roof, that is an effective property tax increase. But I'm also going to really push for true appraisal reform at the legislature because that is where we make it happen. Now, for all the time that Nelson Wolf spent in office and the years of experience in the legislature and mayor and county judge, Probably what people are going to remember most were all those uh, nightly news conferences, all the finger-wagging, bandana-wearing, mandate-issuing. How would you have, as Bear County judge during the pandemic, handled that part of the responsibility differently? Um, look, nobody had a playbook at the start of the pandemic. But I will tell you, I think, um, you know, I'm a less government kind of gal. I mean, government does not have all the answers. You know, and I think if you talk to folks, and even Nelson Wolf at the beginning of the pandemic, what I would have done differently, and I think what he would have done differently, we would not have shut businesses down. Look, I'm a small business person at heart. You know that, Jack? Been an entrepreneur for 25 years, founded two businesses. And so, you know, regardless of how quickly, you know, the virus was spreading, shutting down businesses is not something we should have done. And I also think that mandates backfire. People get really upset about it. You know, there's, there's room for everybody regarding individual choice. The government should not be issuing mandates regarding whether it's masks, you know, whether it's, you know, making, making children wear it in the schools, etc. I mean, it is a personal responsibility uh, that is up to that individual. And when we are infringing upon personal freedoms, that is not what government should be doing. About an hour ago, uh, your Republican opponent, posted on Facebook that your company received uh, over a million dollars in PPP money during the pandemic and suggested that that meant you were not a good business person because you needed that money. What what would you say in response to that? Uh, Well, I would tell you that my opponent has never been a small business person. He has never employed people. He has not signed the front of a paycheck nor the back of a paycheck. 
He hasn't had to deal with escalating health care insurance premiums, and he has no idea what it is like to sustain a business during a downturn in the economy. And there again, we had no idea what was going to happen with this pandemic. And so I would tell you, you know, small businesses are the backbone of this economy. Not only in San Antonio, but across this country, 85% of this country is built upon small businesses. And I would tell you, I was with all those people, and the majority of those businesses took PPP loans because we didn't know what the future was going to hold. So I'm not ashamed of that one bit. All right. Trisha Berry, former Precinct 3 commissioner and now candidate for Republican nomination for Bear County Judge. Hope you'll come back again, and good to talk to you today. Thank you for coming on with us. Uh, I will definitely come back, Jack. You're a good friend. Look forward to talking to you soon. Is driving getting worse? Is it just me? Am I just getting cranky in my old age? Or is driving getting worse? The New York Times today says that deaths from traffic accidents rose dramatically in 2021. In other words... Year to year, decade in and decade out, those numbers stay pretty consistent. Roughly the same number of people die in traffic accidents from year to year with, you know, just the statistical variations you would expect, right? All of a sudden, in 2021, they went up double digits, 14%. You want to hear what the New York Times explanation for that is? You know why people are dying more in traffic accidents and driving is getting more dangerous? Why would you think... Come on, you know. It's the word for everything. Racism. Racism. It's racism. It's rising inequality. Yeah, they don't have to explain it to the New York Times. Why do you think driving is getting worse? 210-599-5555. It's our question on the Stevens Roofing JR poll. I, I have to say, I, I'm, I haven't made a study of it, but when I'm driving, I feel like I am doing more evasive driving, more defensive driving. I feel like I have to drive suspicious of the other, the other guy more and more. And you know, that's something that is easier done as you accrue experience. But I can't imagine being a new driver right now and not having that experience and not having those reflexes and not having the, the, I guess I would say instinct. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're driving along and you're keeping an eye on a car in the next lane because you just know they're going to do something hinky and then they do. And you're ready for it or you have an escape. But if you're a new driver, I don't think you know how to do that or even think to do that. It scares me for the young people who are driving. What, what do you think is going on here? What's the explanation for uh, traffic accidents soaring? 210-599-5555. Um, I've heard a lot of explanations. Like I said, the racism one doesn't work for me. I have heard people say, well, um, police are not in- enforcing traffic stops as much. I don't know if that's true. But whether it's true or not, if that's what people perceive, in other words, if people are thinking, hey, the, the cops aren't out here as much, they're not doing as many traffic stops, If they think that, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not, because then they're going to drive as if it's true. And maybe that's part of it. If they assume people are not being um, checked, stopped, uh, you know, radar gunned, then that might contribute to it. Uh, Traffic deaths are up sharply as of last year. This is also important to think about because you're going to hear a lot about excess deaths due to COVID. 
But excess deaths may also be the result of these increased number of traffic deaths per capita. 210-599-5555. Woody is on KTSA. Woody, good afternoon. Yeah, I've got a theory. I think people forgot how to drive during COVID because they weren't going anywhere. Oh, okay. So they got out of practice, in other words? Yeah. Yeah. I had to fly in, and my sister was supposed to pick me up at the airport, and she scared the crud out of me because she Hmm. didn't remember how to drive and how to hit the brakes. Oh, okay. Do you think that it was, um, were there really that many people who weren't doing any driving at all that it would make that kind of a difference? No, I actually, I think it's just because we moved in so many people from California that don't know how to drive. <laughs> when in doubt, right? There's always the there's always the California theory. I like that, Woody. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Yeah, well, you know, um, it, the California theory is like a is like a placeholder until we come up with uh, with the real one. I don't know. Um, I drive a lot. Um, and uh, I do see what appears to me to be more more like risk-taking, uh, more uh, cutting off and, and, and lack of etiquette. Definitely lots of, you know, violations of yellow lights and yield signs, stuff like that, lanes crossing. I, 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 I can't really put my finger on why it is, and I feel kind of curmudgeonly even bringing it up, like, oh, nothing is as good as it used to be. But something's going on, and these statistics clearly back it up. Uh, 14% increase in traffic deaths in 2021. And just so you know, year to year, there is usually a single-digit variation. So um, they're up quite a bit. They're up quite a bit higher than the mean over the last 40 years. What do you think's going on? Uh, Jaime is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jaime, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. The problem is, is that People feel it's a right that you're supposed you deserve to be driving. It's a privilege. It's something that we get to do if we follow rules and do things right. Everybody feels that oh, this is this is my right that I have to be on this highway and I get to have a license. No, that's why you're supposed to take tests. That's why you're supposed to learn. That's why you get tickets. That's why when you're not doing the right things out there and it's always this gimme, gimme, gimme. It's not let me learn how to do it. And it's it's a privilege. It's not a right. You. You have no legal right to be driving on the highway, or that's why you need that license. How did you um, How did you learn to drive, Jaime? When you learned, uh, you want me to be honest? I started yeah. driving my mom's car. I started driving my mom's car when I was like 13 years old, going to school, little mm-hmm. back in the country roads. Right. But I also learned how to, you know, I learned I learned from other experienced people. But did you I have could, a parent license, take you out and practice with you? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> out in the country, it's a little different. But, so you um, just I you mean, just figured it out behind the wheel in places where yeah, you couldn't hurt anybody. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't, I don't like, hog the road. I try not to piss people off. But now it's just these, the young kids is different now. I mean, it's just... Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if maybe we're not teaching people the way we used to. Because I do, I, well, in my age group, a lot of people learn to drive from a mom or dad taking them out and... And you know, taking them to a parking lot or, or 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 tutoring them behind the wheel. And I think about the phenomenon today of more and more kids with less and less parenting, and parents don't seem to have time for kids or single parents that are really busy. And I wonder if maybe kids are not getting that component, which I think is what helped make us not only good drivers but uh, instilled some considerate consideration in our driving. Uh, if you don't have that. 
and you're learning on a computer simulator or whatever they're doing in the schools now, maybe that's changing the way people learn how to drive. Maybe they're missing something we had. Uh, and I don't know what you do about that, but maybe that helps explain this. Tell me what you think here, 210-599-5555. We're talking about uh, whether you think driving is getting worse and um, why that might be. Let me get to uh, Robert next on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Robert, good afternoon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. What, what do, do you think driving is getting worse, and why do you think it is? Well, let me tell you, I've, I've worked on the highway for many years now, and we have seen an increase of, uh, you know, people on their cell phones constantly. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's really, I would consider it a crisis, an absolute crisis. They get on their phones, and it, is, it, it really doesn't discriminate. It's the old, the young. It I mean, it doesn't matter. People are texting. They're preoccupied. And I, I think in a, an, an underlining uh, reason under the surface is that people people are in a hurry, they're frustrated and angry. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have been on that side uh, of the uh, of the spear, and I mean we catch it all the time in our work zones. I mean it's uh, we're in the face of it from day to day, and and people are always in a hurry always on their phones and they have no patience and it, it, it really just crosses the board. Mm-hmm. So um, th- that's been going on for a while, right? A, a good while. And it's increasing all the time. You know, it's uh, and, and you know, you, you see it everywhere. Our population is growing, um, you know, uh, urban development, construction is outpacing our infrastructure and, uh, you know, it's uh, people, you know, people live, live busy lives and they're trying to get from A to B. And, you know, it's uh, it, it's become it, it's become uh, really hectic out here. And, uh, you know, and for me, I really believe cell phones have become uh, the number one safety issue. Okay. Well, it's a pretty dramatic increase just in one year, but to your point, I think I I won't argue with you at all because definitely over a period of several years, I agree that that's made us more dangerous or made people more dangerous. I've been in a couple of accidents where the other driver was on a cell phone. Totally believe that's a major, major factor. It did go up a lot, though, in 2021. I'm wondering why that would have been. 210-599-5555. Jack here on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. And John is on the radio. John, good afternoon. Okay, no John. Let me try Ted on the radio. Hi, Ted. Hello, Jack. Um, I agree with the previous caller that uh, the distracted driving is, is a very significant uh, factor in this increase, but I think it's in combination with a couple of other things. We went through a long period of time, uh, and I, I drive 1604 uh, at least four days a week, if not five. Um, and I drive all the way from the uh, far northwest side, uh, around Bandera Road all the way to 281 and then north, up into Stone Oak and then back. And um, what I've noticed is that uh, there was a long period of time when my commute that pre-pandemic could take up to an hour and 15 minutes sometimes, hour and a half, 
went down to 35 minutes, mm-hmm, 45 mm-hmm. minutes because of right. the lack of traffic. Well, then people started coming back to work. And so all of the people that were kind of really enjoying this ability to just kind of move freely on these, on these major thoroughfares are still trying to do that to some extent. Oh, and okay. people are getting in the way. But, but then we have another factor, which I think is as our driving society uh, is, uh, uh, has more and more younger folks in it, and I'm not dissing the young folks, but I'm just saying it's the younger folks that are by far into the social media and the cell phone has to be stuck to their face 24 hours a day kind of thing. And I think as that age group uh, is infiltrating into the driving force, if you will, uh, we're going to see more and more of that. And I see it every day out here. Mm -hmm. I I can tell you that as I've been talking to you and I glance over of about 15 to 20 cars that I've passed, at least five have had the phone to their face. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I see that all the time. I, I will say, I hear what you're saying about young people. I, when I look around like at a light, it looks to me like every kind of person, all age groups, uh, are using the phone. It's, it's so ubiquitous, it's hard to pin it on just one, on just one age group. But yeah, those are good theories, uh, Ted. I like both of them. So Ted is saying part of it is the, the merging back into the traffic flow of people that were, uh, not on the road during the pandemic with the people who were, and then the uh, the increasing influx of drivers that are very, very uh, wedded to their phones and that generation that that does everything. You know, they they basically do every. If you if you look at people doing their job, they do it with one with the phone in one hand, um, and you know, um, so to them, driving is just one more thing they can do while they're using their phone. What do you think about that? On the JR poll, is driving getting worse? Now, the national stu- the national numbers, the U.S. traffic deaths per capita went up 14% in 2021. It typically varies only in single digits from year to year. It stays around a mean. It's stayed around that mean for uh, most of the last 40 years. This is a- an outlier. This last year is an outlier. Why would the last year have been so much worse. Uh, what do you think? 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Mark writes, what's gotten worse is the number of drivers on the road because of the growth of San Antonio. I've lived here 35 years. Growth has been two times the number of people driving. In general, I find San Antonio a great city to get around very efficiently. I drive all over the city, he writes. Um, but he says he thinks it's more people on the road. Well, that, that, that's true here. I mean, that wouldn't explain the national numbers, but that is true here. We have a lot more people. We have, we have big city traffic now. When I moved here, uh, 27 years ago, we really didn't, you know, we were a growing city. We really didn't have big city traffic. We're starting to get big city traffic, but those national numbers are something. And the New York Times explains them as rising racial inequality. Because, of course, what do you think? 210-599-5555. And Tom's on the radio. Hi, Tom. Hey, how you doing, Jack? It's great to, uh, glad you let me on. Listen, I think one of the uh, aspects that people really aren't talking about is the increasing number of inexperienced drivers that mm-hmm. we're letting loose on the streets. You know, I take in uh, case in point, my children, I have a 23-year-old who 
did not start driving until he was 21. And I have a 21 year old right now who doesn't drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids today, you know, back in our day, what did we do? We had driver's ed, which is out of the school. Okay. So you're not learning in school. Okay. Then you have, when we wanted to go see a friend, what did we do? We got on our bike until we got our learner's permit and then we were able to drive mom and dad's cars. Right. That's right. kind of how, how it worked for us. Kids today don't want to leave the house. They don't have to. They've got the internet. They've got the PlayStation. They can, you know, communicate with their friends without having to be there so they don't feel like they need to drive. So when they finally do get a license and drive, they don't have those years of experience that you have when you go through a proper learning permit. And we're just letting loose these inexperienced drivers. Um, I agree with all of that. Let me let me push back on you a little bit though. If people are starting to drive later, wouldn't that be a good thing? But starting to drive later and not having the experience of knowing how to drive yeah. with yeah. proper awareness and with the like a previous callers have said, now you're getting inexperienced drivers who are addicted to social media and you got inexperienced drivers who are even further distracted right. with their cell phones. Right. Right. Yeah, no, there's no no argument for me on any of that, uh, and that's been building for a long time, and, and I don't know. Now, do you think that they're not going to put the phone down, so are they just going to get better at this, or will they never get better at it, or w- what will what will the future hold? Uh, I think we're, we are where we're at. I don't see them getting any better. I don't see any kind of awareness that's going to make, make okay. them better. I do kind of wish that maybe we could get defensive, or not defensive driving, but uh, just... Uh, driving driver's ed back in the schools. I think that would help tremendously. Okay. All right, Tom, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. Um, Alan is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Alan, good afternoon. How you doing, sir? You know, I Good. What do you think? Boils, I, I think a lot of it boils down to the fact, along with COVID, uh, came hand-in-hand hand with defund the police. And that lack of law and order, that lack of presence, I, I, I rarely see officers on the road. And, you know, you take... How many times you've driven through a certain city or a certain stretch of highway, and you're like, okay, well, you know what? There's always a police officer up here, so what do you do? You pay attention, you start driving right. So if people think there's less enforcement or there really is less enforcement, they're going to let themselves kind of do whatever they feel like doing. Exactly, and that's, that's the whole thing. Just like the previous caller started driving at a young age, uh, I started driving at a young age without a driver's license, and I, I made sure I used my signal. I drove the speed limit. I paid attention to what I was doing, and I think of just the little lack of law and order. Uh, yeah. People just kind of go crazy. Yeah, Interesting. All right. Alan, thank you. Appreciate having you. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Naomi's on the radio. Hi, Naomi. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I think a lot of the traffic is they're trying to fix the streets and highways to make them bigger, and then when they finish, you wonder what they made bigger because it's worse. <laughs> and it takes forever. It yeah, takes, yeah. you know, like a year or two years, three years, and you're wondering, right. when are they going to finish? So that's I swear I some of these highways, the whole time I've lived here, have always been under some kind of construction or reconstruction, right? Always. And you're right, it never seems to, we, we never seem to have more, we just have rebuilding of what's already there. So do you think that's the main reason we're having a lot more fatalities, a lot more accidents? Well, 
Yeah, because, I mean, I have to drive between 7 and 9 in the morning, and, and sometimes I get late because, you know, there's a lot of uh, wrecks along the way because they're not mm -hmm. paying attention or whatever, but they're fixing the roads, you know, here and there. Yeah. Like, 16 is the worst. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. All right. So Naomi says that's all this road construction that's going on. That's why 2021 was by far the worst year uh, in recent years for traffic deaths per capita. Went up double digits. And uh, what do you think's going on? Is driving getting worse? And why? 210-599-5555. Miguel is on KTSA. Hi, Miguel. Hey, how you doing? Uh, hey, I got a comment on the on the roads you see I, I drive from east to west north to south i go from new york to washington state and all that stuff what i see is that i get on this lane the left hand lane where it says uh slower traffic keep right and i stay on sometimes on the left hand lane and i'm going 65 miles an hour or 85 miles an hour whatever the speed limit is and you got guys right behind you they're trying to pass you and 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 then tailgate you and everything and i've seen people doing that and the poor people in the front get so afraid of them and they pull over to the right that's where they get uh accidents oh you mean people right. people pull over and it's not safe to pull over they don't have a, a lane to pull into yeah, but, yeah right I, mean, I got pulled over by by, by a police officer on, on highway 90 one day and i was on the left-hand lane i was doing 65 miles an hour uh, going over there by 37, uh, where where it turns into two lanes only, and I'm on the left-hand lane. And I, he pulled me over, and he said, no, you're supposed to be on the right-hand side. You, you know, that's that's the speed lane. I said, I'm doing 65. How could, it be, how could they, anybody should pass me? Nobody should be <laughs> passing me at, at a speed right. limit. Right. You know, he gave yeah. me a warning, of course, you know, and then he yeah. let me go. No. But that's right. what I think it is. It's not. It's, it's not the bridges and not the construction because I mean people are not dumb. They can see construction. They can see all that stuff. Uh, it's just drivers. They want to go fast. They. They. You know. I've. I've been doing sixty-five or seventy on the right and the middle lane, and you got guys going eighty, eighty-five, ninety on the left-hand lane. All right. Miguel says it's the drivers, it's nothing else, it's the drivers. Your turn on that, and your vote in the JR poll. Lisa is on KTSA. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jack. Um, for me, myself, I honestly believe you said it was nationwide. It, it, I hate to pinpoint it, but baby boomers. Most of them didn't go out during the pandemic as well, just like the caller said about young kids. Um, they're getting older. My mother's up there, and when I drive with her, I panic because of how she drives, her perception of what's out there, the car's too close, the car's not close enough, I'm not going fast enough, I'm like, you know, that and entitled people. People feel they're entitled, regardless yeah. of whatever, anywhere. Like my husband says, it's not a crime until you get caught. So if you're going to another state for whatever reason that you moved and you don't know those driving laws, because not every state is the same for their driving laws. That makes a big difference because you said nationwide, not just San Antonio, but nationwide. Well, I mean, I, I get the entitlement part. I get the COVID part, but I don't know. I mean, good driving, it, maybe the laws are a little different from state to state, but I mean, good driving is good driving. You know, if you, if you know how to drive, you can drive anywhere, right? You should be able to, but that's where common sense comes into play. People don't, people lack common sense. 
Well, and I agree with that, but I still feel like we might be missing something in the in the like the the preparation or the training. Uh, and and I hear what you're saying about baby boomers, but young drivers to me don't have the same uh, preparation or or uh, tutoring or whatever you want to call it or attention that we got. And I, I just, I, if no one is overseeing them and practicing with them and sitting next to them in a bench seat where you can reach over and stab the pedal if you have to, uh, if they're not getting that, and I don't think they are, I think that translates to what everybody is describing, you know? Yes and no, because I graduated in the 80s, and I did not have driver's ed at my school. That was not okay. offered. So, so how did I you learn how to drive? I'm just curious. How did you learn personally how to drive? friends who had cars and I also had a scooter and I got a scooter license but the car I would just take their family car out and we just go driving around uh going down Balcones Heights I mean going you know those 50 miles an hour I had no idea that the speed limit was that that's my fault but again once you've burned long enough or enough times then you start learning don't go through Leon Valley and do a rolling stop. I just added my team. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no- if you're learning to drive, you don't want to learn to drive in Balcones Heights or Leon Valley, that's for sure. Well, that's the best way, just like that other caller had said. You know, it, it, once you get caught doing something incorrectly, you would hope that would correct the mistake. So, yeah. again, if the younger kids, regardless if the parents are there or not, um, it's still up to the kids to learn the rules of the road. The police yep. officers are going to stop and tell you you're doing this wrong. You turned without a signal. You're doing without that. Half the time, they don't care about that unless they're trying to make their quotas up and down the street. And then you'll see a police officer on a motorcycle stopping you or trying to give you a ticket for something. Do you, you think no there are fewer? Do you think there are fewer traffic stops because police have kind of been pulled? And I'm not saying the cops themselves do this, but that that cities and 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 politicians are pulling the cops back. It's not that they're pulling them back. It's basically the fact that they're not going to enforce those laws because there are other situations out there that require more attention. Mm-hmm. But because I wonder I mean, if I mean if you're if you're a, if you look at the 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 news every day, a lot of scandals and controversies and and stuff involving the police start with a traffic stop. So it wouldn't surprise me to find out that the politicians are letting the word go out, hey, we're just not going to do these anymore. We're just not going to have as many of these because this is where all the trouble starts. All of the all of these national stories that blow up into these big things, so many of them start with traffic stops. But Lisa, thank you. Good call. Uh, let me get one more in here before we get to the news. And uh, Clay is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Clay, good afternoon. No, thanks, Jack, for taking my call. Hey, uh, a lot of great points. I'm going to say yes to all of them, but you had mentioned it being this year, 2021. Well, not this year, but 2021. Yeah, way up. Uh, I, <laughs> I think that uh, that that you know, it, it, all of that is is in there. Of course, there's no driver's education. I'm a I'm a I'm a out of high schooler in '80 myself. You know, I was a mid '60s kid and barely missed the baby boomers group myself. So there's a lot of baby boomers that were born in the early '60s through probably '64, which puts me a year out so uh that could be because some of them are pretty getting up in years and my parents scare me a little bit when they drive there you know 44 45 1945 babies but um but again i think when you look at all of this uh of course there's a lot of anger because of, of what we hear on the social media and things are just really getting ramped up now but a lot of people are home for an extended period of time and i was very fortunate i kept my job uh, i never missed a day uh, because of a covid 
issue. And uh, there's a lot of people stayed at home for an extended period of time, and they were looking at their devices. And they were looking at Disney+. Plus. They were looking at Facebook. They were looking at whatever they could look at all day long because they didn't have anything else to do. And so you kind of get hooked on that. And, and so as you're driving, whatever you can pull up on your phone, you're, 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 yeah. you're looking at it. So, so within the past year, that might be a reason why okay. uh, the, uh, the, the deaths are up so high because they're coming off of their sitting at home and they're taking into their vehicles and they're there crashing. You go. There you go. Clay, thank you. Appreciate having you today. Joining us now in the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line is the current land commissioner and one of the Republican candidates for Attorney General, George P. Bush. Commissioner, good afternoon. Thanks for coming on with us. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Texas Monthly, as I'm sure you know, um, just did a story about the Bush dynasty and said it's hanging on by a thread. Are you the candidate of a dynasty? Well, actually, uh, Jack, to be honest with you, I don't read my own media anymore, so that's news to me. Um, that's probably good. Texans, <laughs> uh, Texans, you know, know me as my record as land commissioner, and they know that I'm my own man that stands in my own two feet and wear my own boots. Uh, I can put them on myself as well. Um, and I'm going to have to present my own ideas, and I'm going to be the one that's going to take the call late at night, uh, whether it's a law enforcement official that, get shot in the line of duty, and regretfully, we had two more just this morning in Katy, or responding to the human trafficking and fentanyl crisis that we're seeing across our poorest borders. And and that's what my campaign is about, is talking about why I need to be hired by the people of Texas, because we're not getting the service we so need out of our current attorney general. I, I noticed that um, a lot of the focus is on, um, obviously, the scandals and the allegations against Ken Paxton, um, and I think Republicans are doing a good job of convincing voters that the current Republican attorney general may not be the right man for the job. Do you share the concern of some of the other candidates that if he is renominated, Republicans will lose that position? I do. You know, AOC was just actually in your fair city this past weekend talking about abortion on demand, taking your guns and uh, forcing the Green New Deal down our throats and and. You know, she said Texas will eventually turn blue. Well, uh, I couldn't disagree more, but she's partially right. If we nominate somebody like Ken with bribery, corruption charges, uh, I guarantee you the Biden DOJ will drop some federal indictments on, on bribery, corruption charges heading into the fall, which is so much liability that we're putting on the table there. And, and I don't think it's a risk we're taking as Republicans because this would be their first statewide office in close to 30 years. So. Um, that's what we've been trying to tell people, and, and the polling is showing that a majority of Republicans uh, don't trust him to uh, to hold the mantle for the Republican Party. There's too much at stake. I noticed in one of your TV ads you were on the border, you were talking about the border wall. Um, how is that a function or a responsibility of the attorney general's job? Well, regretfully, the federal government's not doing their job. In fact, Biden is doing whatever he can to not secure a border. And Secretary Mayorkas uh, continues to have the back shown to him by law enforcement when he comes to the Texas border. And I, don't get me started on Kamala Harris. She doesn't come down, even though she's our borders are. Uh, so that means Texans are going to have to step up. And so as land commissioner, I'm constructing the Texas wall. I'm actually in the courthouse against the Biden administration. As AG, what you can do is investigate, collect evidence, and bring suits against the federal government. But one thing, I, and I'm the only candidate to propose this, is to forward deploy a mobile prosecution unit 
to help governors uh, Operation Lone Star effort, which is arresting illegals based upon state criminal trespassing laws, since we can't arrest based upon federal immigration law uh, as state officials. So uh, I have a very proactive and a very specific plan to address the border crisis, whether it is continuing to build the Texas wall, but also helping Governor Abbott out and our honorable DPS officials that are keeping the watch every single day while Border Patrol is overwhelmed with, what, 2 million apprehensions on an annual basis. Now, in looking at this race, we see Ken Paxton touting his Donald Trump endorsement, Louis Gohmert touting his close friendship with and uh, Trump's admiration for him. So what is your message to Trump voters uh, about George P. Bush? What do they need to know about you? Well, if you care about America First policies or if you like Texas First ideas, you need to nominate me because, as we talked about before, if Ken is nominated, then the Democrat wins, and that's contrary to what we want. You get an AOC-style Democrat on the other side. And by the way, two of the candidates that are in this race on the other side are suing the state of Texas for arresting under criminal trespassing law. That's the philosophy that they're bringing to the table. So I'm a proven vote-getter against Democrats. So I was the highest vote-getter in 2014 and second highest in 2018. So I'm in this not to trash fellow Republicans. I'm in this to, to win this against Democrats. President Trump and I continue to maintain a positive relationship. I continue to subscribe to his ideas. They were great for Texas. But this comes up down to who can beat the Democrat. What is the best football team we can put on the field heading into the fall? All right. Land Commissioner George P. Bush on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. I hope you'll come back with us again, and I appreciate the time very much tonight. You got it. All right. Commissioner, thank you. So now... Um, in Florida, there's a debate over what the media call the don't say gay law. Don't say gay. That's not the name of the law. <laughs> it's not against the law to say gay in Florida. The media have dubbed it that, or actually opponents of the bill dubbed it that, and the media ran with that because that's what they do. But it's simply a law that governs the teaching of trans uh, gender issues in elementary school. It's the novel concept that kids as young as elementary school don't need to be taught that gender is a fluid concept or they can choose or uh, reselect their gender. And, of course, it's the worst thing ever because Ron DeSantis. Now, this uh, thing I'm going to play you is not from Florida. I'm not exactly sure where this teacher is, but he's describing how he teaches the trans concept to his kids he has what's called the trans closet take a listen to this the goal of the transition closet is for our students to be able to wear the clothes that their parents approve of come to school and then swap out into the clothes that fit who they truly are and i use the idea that this is like superman changing in a phone booth but that idea actually goes a lot further than that because superman isn't Clark Kent. Clark Kent is actually the disguise. And when Clark Kent goes into the phone booth, he transforms into Superman, who's really just who he truly is, Kal-El. And so this gives our trans students the opportunity to be the superheroes that we know they are. Um, boy, where to begin? Do you want to tell them or should I tell them? All right, I'll tell them. Fine. Uh, Superman's not real, dude. If you're, if you're hanging this whole thing on Kal-El... We have a problem already. But imagine 
this concept. The teacher has a closet. He has clothing in the closet. Your child comes to school dressed as you dressed him or approved him to be dressed. The teacher says, go in there and change and put on the clothes that fit who you truly are. I'm so old, I remember when people changed their clothes in school just to look sexier or impress a girl or a boy. The teachers weren't in favor of it. They were on the same side as the parents. That's how old I am. Remember those days? Some of you do, some of you don't. That is, this isn't even teaching. This is grooming. And it's creepy and eerie. The, the transition closet sums up everything of the last two years with parents finding out what's really going on in school and being enraged. We're going to look back on the COVID era and say that one of the most important, far-reaching things that happened, and we don't like how it happened, but thank God it did happen, is that distance learning opened the eyes of a lot of parents. It revealed, it unmasked, pardon the pun, what was being taught and how it was being taught. And the awakening that's resulted school board meetings, the recall of those school board members in San Francisco last night, the ripple effects are still going on. They will for years to come. I mean, this is what every child molester in every news story you've ever read did. He had a secret game. He had a secret ploy. Do this. It'll be our secret. No one has to know prying children away from their parents, separating the parents from the decision-making process. Yeah, they sent you to school in this outfit, but we've got clothes you can change into. Schools are a safe space. Homes apparently are not. Homes are where backwards, conservative, Trump-voting parents live. But school is where you can figure out your gender fluidity. I'll ask the question again I've asked before. How are these people getting hired in schools? This guy doesn't sound like he should be within a 1,000 yards of a child. The The transition closet. I mean, first it was the colleges. Then it was the high schools. And now it's the elementary schools. And that's why colleges, I think, are almost now, it's like a lost cause now. By the time your, your kid goes to college, I mean, that's just, that's just finishing school for what they're doing in the K through 12. Now, again, I'm not putting this on every teacher. I'm sure this is not happening in every school. It shouldn't be happening at all. And as an educator, I think a fair question would be, if you're doing anything, if you're teaching anything, offering anything, engaging in any activities that alienate kids from their parents. I don't care what you think you're doing. You're grooming them. And that is wrong. That is creepy. That's what the Dateline guy, remember the Dateline guy that would do those hidden camera things? That's what he was looking for. This is is Dateline-level creepiness. The transition closet. Play it again, Don. I want you to hear this guy's explanation again. 
The goal of the transition closet is for our students to be able to wear the clothes that their parents approve of, come to school, and then swap out into the clothes that fit who they truly are. And I use the idea that this is like Superman changing in a phone booth. But that idea actually goes a lot further than that, because Superman isn't Clark Kent. Clark Kent is actually the disguise. And when Clark Kent goes into the phone booth, he transforms into Superman, who's really just who he truly is, Kal-El. And so this gives our trans students the opportunity to be the superheroes that we know they are. Mm. Yeah, that's a great come on. Uh, hey, would you like to be a superhero or just an ordinary kid who stays in, this, in, the, in the same clothes all day? 20 years ago, this guy would have been in a white van cruising around the neighborhood at 12 miles an hour. Now, he's got the transition closet at school. All right. This isn't some secret recording. This guy posted this um, on, his, uh, on his Twitter account. And um, he's a teacher who has in his classroom what he calls the transition closet. Do you remember the other day? We, we had, I forget what we were talking about. It had something to do with education, and there was this argument among callers about whether teachers are teaching what they are forced to teach or teachers are uh, have some agency over what they teach. And, and one point of view was, well, don't blame teachers when you don't like curriculum. And But then people started calling in saying, no, I am a teacher, and you can absolutely push back, and you can absolutely modify... So I'm curious, is the transition closet the curriculum at this guy's school, or is the transition closet his own perverted little idea? Listen to this again, uh, Don, if you could play it one more time. The goal of the transition closet is for our students to be able to wear the clothes that their parents approve of, come to school, and then swap out into the clothes that fit who they truly are. And I use the idea that this is like Superman changing in a phone booth. But that idea actually goes a lot further than that, because Superman isn't Clark Kent. Clark Kent is actually the disguise. And when Clark Kent goes into the phone booth, he transforms into Superman, who's really just who he truly is, Kal-El. And so this gives our trans students the opportunity to be the superheroes that we know they are. I am on my way to the school to pick my kid up and withdraw him. If he's in this guy's classroom, I'm not. I'm not even going to bother with the school board meeting. I'm, we're we're going. We're going to the school now. Um, I mean, just you know, there's a there's a popular talking point now on the left that um, what's happening with school board meetings and parents being awakened, critical race theory. This is all a a giant panic reaction being spun up by talk radio and Fox News, and that parents don't really need uh, to, to, to be involved and bother with all this and come to these meetings and stick their nose under the tent. We've got it under control. We know what we're doing. Well, I completely understand why they would like you to go back to the days when you didn't go to the school board meeting. You didn't know what was in the curriculum. You might ask your son or daughter, hey, did you do your homework? Yep, okay, and that was about it. Um, they they don't like the way things are now because people are taking notice. And stuff like the transition closet was supposed to be a secret. Clearly, that cannot survive in daylight. Clearly, the exposure of that will be the end of that. But, but see, we weren't supposed to know it was happening in the first place. And it's the same thing with this Florida education bill, the Don't Say Gay bill. It's not Don't Say Gay. It's Don't Teach Little children that they need to explore their gender identity 
I mean, why are we taking things that we don't need the schools to do at a time when they're failing to do the things we do need them to do? It's not like they've got everything else aced and they can branch out into some new areas. But there's that that rage idea, right? Oh, well, you, you, you parents are just raging. Um, here's an example of a school board meeting where a guy is standing up to speak about the mask mandate. And um, he doesn't want to wear his mask while he is speaking about the mask mandate. And the, the, the people on the board lose their minds over this guy. It's a little long. I want you to hear the whole thing because it builds up to uh, quite a moment. Cut number seven. Listen to this. I'm now going to call Mark uh, Weiermullen, I think it is. Well, Mark Weiermullen, I'm starting my uh, clock here, so I'll stay the exact two minutes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and sir. I'm, uh, sir, sir, I need you to put on your mask. Should now. I stop my clock? I, I can't. And I do have an exemption. Will you allow me to speak? And please, I'm, sorry, I'm not going to interrupt you to when you speak. We, I'm sorry, right. sir. It's the, pro, it's the rule. You need to keep your mask on. I have an exemption. I mean, I, I don't want to go into the whole thing about explaining to you. I don't even know you guys. And I don't want to explain my medical situation. And I, I thought I'd be allowed to speak. Can I restart my clock? I'm no, at 38 seconds now. You can stop your clock now. for a second. We'll start your clock again. Don't. I'm, I'm don't, sorry. Don't worry about your clock for the moment. Okay, we'll, we'll come. We'll, well, I'm nervous because you're telling me I can't speak. I'm ready to speak. I, we need to have you put on your mask, sir. That's we I can't. I can't speak with my mask on. I can't articulate. I have a medical. You're not going to honor medical and no, religious you have a medical exemption. exemption. Oh, okay, that's, that's I mean, fine, sir. I mean, we'll take I'm you, embarrassed. We'll take it's humiliating. Can I reset my clock? So you're going to let him speak without a mask. Okay. Well, he's got a medical exemption. Now he's interrupting me. I mean, you guys know? are rude. How do we know? Do I get to speak or not? Do I get to speak? Who's this? Are you the mask police? Can I speak or not? It will let you speak. Just one moment, please. Mr. Taub, did you have a question? Is he in charge? Okay. So are you in charge? No. Mr. I'm Taub. speaking. It's public comment. Are you, you in said, charge? You yeah. said at the beginning of the minute you, you would charge? not be rude to people. Enough. Are you in charge? Mr. Taub. Mr. Taub. We should remove him. I mean, this we, is, we, this we, is Mr. rude. Mr. We'll start you two minutes now, sir. I'm... This is not what you promised. You said if they don't wear a mask, they can't speak. I have a mask. I can wear the mask on my head if you want. I mean, it's just you can wear your mask on your wall. Okay. Enough. Enough. We're going to take recess for five minutes. The guy yelling, you can wear your mask on your effing balls, is a member of the school committee. Okay. So. Who the F are they to be angry with us? We're the ones who have a right to be angry. These are our kids. These are our tax dollars. You work for us. The most incredible thing I've seen in these two years of revelation is that school committee members and school board members are losing their patience with us. You've been getting away with transition closets and critical race theory because we didn't know. And then you made the fateful decision, and by the way, you guys made it to do distance learning. And we found out. And now you're lo- you're losing your patience with us? And the guy can put his mask on his balls? That's how we're talking? To a parent? To a taxpayer? To a citizen? You're losing your patience with us? You know, I'm sorry, I know everybody's got their things, but 
Uh, and and look, if it's I hear people say, "Oh, it's it's so hard to be on school committees these days." They yell at us. It, by all means, if it gets to be too much, you should step down. There will be other people who will gladly uh, take that seat and hold down that uh, position of responsibility. I will. I wouldn't want you to do anything you that you couldn't do. But wow, he can put the mask on his balls. Think about that. By the way, I'm not sure how you would do that. You know, it's kind of like that other thing we used to, people used to yell at you, you can go F yourself. And I was like, how would you do that? But putting the mask on your balls, I really don't know. Can't figure that one out. So um, parents are raging against school boards. It's on us, right? We're just so unreasonable. They're just doing their job, and we're, we're using them like scratching posts. No, I don't think that's how it worked. Um, you, you remember the spring of 2020. You remember the sudden, abrupt shift to distance learning. And it was, it was hard on kids. And a lot of parents were staying home or looking over the shoulder of their sons and daughters to make sure they were signed into Google Classroom or they were paying attention. Hey, we were doing what parents do. We were making sure our kids were where they needed to be and doing what they were supposed to do. And by the way, that entire distance learning experiment, which was largely a failed experiment, was very dependent on parents. You don't need me to tell you this, but if there wasn't a responsible parent in the household, those are the kids that in many cases dropped right through the cracks and were not signing in or attending online classes. So so parents were doing what they were supposed to do, often at great expense and sacrifice to themselves. Then they started seeing and hearing um, you know, how the sausage is getting made. And it it touched off an awakening. It got people interested in and and fired up about and involved in something that until 2020, there had been people, you know, ringing the bell and sounding the alarm, but it was all hypothetical. You didn't know, or you you might hear an anecdote and think, well, that wouldn't happen at my kid's school, or we're not doing that in this state, or whatever it is. But then one by one, critical race theory and all this other stuff started rearing its head, even in fairly uh, conservative, uh, Main Street kinds of of school districts. That's how we got to this point. That's where the rage is coming from. And the rage is not irrational. It's the most rational thing in the world to defend your children. I mean, that goes back to caveman days. There's nothing more elemental than that. That's why last night in San Francisco, a democratic city, Democratic voters came out and participated in a recall election, which they had caused by signing the petitions, and they threw out three woke school board members. They got fed up with people that were changing the names of school buildings, but not letting the kids into the school buildings. They'd had enough in San Francisco. You know, if they've had enough in San Francisco, we've had enough. And that's how we got to this point. Let me give you another example. This is a... um, I don't know. She's a teacher in um, a California school district. And um, she is talking about what she would like to do to white people. How she would like to um, play off of the the fear, she says, that white people have of black people. She's a an African-American teacher. And, and, and listen to this. This is a sample of a video she posted. Listen. Black people, black people, colors only. I got a question. 
So you ever standing in public, right? You stand in public and you see white people. Do you ever get the urge to just, you know, <laughs> you know, like you're minding your business, like they're kind of minding their business, and you just, just to scare them, just to scare them a little, just to scare them a little bit, just to scare them a little bit, just to give them the feeling like today's the day, today's the day that black people start retaliating, just to give them a little bit of the, the burning feeling inside. No, just me. Um, let me know. Today's the day that black people start retaliating. Um, you know, a very simple response to this is you're not mature enough to be a teacher. I'm not even going to deal with the content of what you said. You're, 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 if you're so immature that this is what you want to be known for, this is your online identity, um, you're not mature enough to be at the front of the classroom. But... Again, not to make her the stand-in for every hard-working man and woman who teaches in this country, because I know that's not true. But this kind of thing should not happen anywhere. I don't want the I don't want the the crocodile tear phone calls. You're you're besmirching our reputation. We do we don't do that. You should be teachers should be the ones leading the expulsion of this from their profession. There's no defense for that kind of attitude. That kind of talk. That kind of foolishness and provocativeness. I mean, she has issues, obviously. She has issues with white people. That's okay. You're, you're free to have that. But you shouldn't be in a position of teaching or having authority over children if you haven't worked out your own issues. You know, I think that's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you need to work out your issues, whatever they are, before we put you at the front of a classroom and give you in loco parentis authority over children. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. Again, these are not... These are To me, these are um, awakenings that are going on. Parents aren't just blindly raging at teachers and blindly raging at schools. And the funny thing is, you know, parents are coming to the school board meeting, which means they want to fix the schools. If this was any other kind of business... People would just stop coming to your store, coming to your restaurant, patronizing your business. They'd just stop. They wouldn't say, let's have a meeting. They'd just stop. We want public schools that work for all of us. We want them to be part of the American experience. We're the products of these public schools. We, we would like to see our kids be able to attend these public schools. When people go to a school board meeting, that's a constructive move. That's not a destructive move. How hard is that to understand? 210-599-5555. 74% of Americans in an Ipsos survey done over uh, the last several weeks believe that we will be involved in a war within 12 months. The country will be involved in an armed conflict with another country within the next 12 months. This was an international survey, 74% of Americans, 72% of Indians, 64% of Russians, 54% of the French, 51% of Poland, 48% of the UK. And you hear it, right? I mean, you hear the headlines. You see them on your phone. You see them on the TV. War with Russia. Russia and Ukraine. Uh, the Senate has just voted on Russia sanctions, and uh, they didn't get the votes. Today, Russia uh, 
was held responsible for yesterday's cyber attacks on Ukraine, which were the largest of their kind in history. Everyone knows Russia did it. We hear about the Russian troops on the border with Ukraine. We see satellite photos. We're told what it means. We don't know what it means, but there are experts to tell us. It means they're going to do this. It means they're going to do that. It means we have to do this or that. I don't know, but I I have some thoughts about it. And one of them is you're being played. You're being played. I think almost everything that's been done with Russia and Ukraine by our politicians, not to mention by Putin, is playing you. KTSA News Time, 640, coming up this half hour. The results on our Stevens Roofing JR poll question. So let me think out loud here a little bit about the Ukraine crisis. First of all, you can't miss the irony, right? The Ukraine crisis has been framed by the Biden administration as a border sovereignty issue. They sent their border czar, Kamala Harris, to Munich to deal with this threat to the sovereign border of Ukraine. Kamala Harris has done nothing about this, the threat to the sovereign border of the United States. So, United States will have to wait in line behind Ukraine on this one. What's really going on over there? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I don't know if the experts know. I can't believe that Vladimir Putin would sit at the border for weeks, advertise and telegraph let the whole world see the photos of the troop buildup. Give everyone time to react if he really was going to invade. The Vladimir Putin we've seen operate on the world stage for 20 years would have just struck mercilessly and surprisingly, or at least suddenly. So maybe he was never going to invade Ukraine. Maybe he never is going to invade Ukraine. What he did yesterday is probably what invasions, quote-unquote, are going to look like in the future, a massive, crippling cyber attack. By the way, that's probably what we should be worried about in the United States of America. We should probably be worried about cyber Pearl Harbors, not actual ones. We should probably be worried about things like EMP attacks and nuclear, biological, and chemical attacks things that would cripple our country, things that our massive, powerful military would have no nothing to do with. Okay? So the world knows what we have. They're not going to come at our strongest point. They're going to go at our weakest vulnerability, our Achilles heel. And, prob- and probably Putin is doing that with Ukraine. Ukraine is also serving... Joe Biden's purposes. Biden gave Putin a go for the pipeline that goes around Ukraine. Hunter Biden has gotten millions from Russian oligarchs with ties to Putin. And Biden needs a victory right now. He needs a W. He's like one of those college teams that's losing all its games, and then they get 
you know, they get the cupcake matchup. Every every college football schedule has one cupcake matchup where you play the local community college and you beat them 70 to 3. Biden needs a perceived victory. So if Putin never intended to physically invade and doesn't, Biden's going to take credit for that. And we know that's true because no less than Nancy Pelosi said it. We played that audio for you yesterday. She said it in the ABC interview on Sunday. You're being played. You're being played. I mean, we could get into all the details of what Ukraine is and what it means to Russia and the whole NATO thing. And I've talked about NATO before. NATO is, is an anachronism of a bygone era. It should not be expanding, that's for sure. Because if you expand NATO, you expand the burden you and I are carrying with our tax dollars. It's all you're doing. So we're already obligated to the defense of countries that should be able to pay for their own. Why would you add to that list? And yet that's exactly what the geniuses in the bipartisan foreign policy elite in this country want to do. And I mean both parties. So that's why that war drum is being banged pretty hard right now. And I think we're being played. We've hardly had time to even talk about Canada tonight um, and what's going on there. There's been a few new developments. One that I think is interesting, a Washington Post reporter has been contacting people who gave money to the truckers through crowdfunding and asking them why did they do it. So you get an email that says my name is whatever he is. I'm a reporter at the Washington Post. I'm writing about uh, the contributions to the trucker convoy in Canada. You and your email address are associated with a blank contribution. Could you please tell me if this matches your record and what motivated you to contribute to the campaign. Now, the only reason the Washington Post can do that is because the information was leaked. And so this is a not-so-subtle way of saying, we know who you are, we know you gave money. The only response to the email should be, mind your own business, but I don't even think this is about getting answers. I think this is about delivering a message. The establishment is letting you know. Don't get any ideas about these truckers. You remember we told you about a um, NBA player named Enos Cantor? Uh, Enos Cantor played for the Boston Celtics. He was a reserve forward and center. And he's just about the only guy in the NBA speaking out about the oppression of the Chinese Communist Party, their systemic Human rights, uh, human rights abuses. And he even changed his name from Innes Cantor to Innes Cantor Freedom. His name is now Innes Freedom. And so it said Freedom on his shirt. He was traded to the Houston Rockets the other day. And now, according to ESPN, the Houston Rockets have waived him. I mean, no one is surprised by this. I'm only surprised it took the NBA this long to get rid of Innes Cantor Freedom. This guy was a pretty good player in 
college. He's been a marginal player in the pros. I'm not suggesting that he should be a starter or that the NBA has an obligation to put him on a 12-man roster. In fact, you know, it's pretty hard to get into and stay in the NBA. But isn't it pretty obvious that they just could not have this guy around? Isn't it pretty obvious that if he kept talking this way, they were going to have to cut him? So, yeah, his stat line makes it plausible that he just isn't good enough, but I wonder what they would have done if a player that was scoring 18 or 20 points a night talked the way he did. I wonder if that player would still be playing. And, you know, this is a league and really professional sports in general right now, that celebrate activism. They give awards for it. I mean, you can get an award for being the most valuable player, but you can also get awards for being socially active. And even when you get cut, as we learned with Colin Kaepernick in the NFL, you can still get endorsement deals and a lot of media swag. Uh, And his freedom right now is sitting at home. And again... I'm sure it's not a surprise to him or to you and me. On the JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing, the question tonight was, is driving getting worse? The New York Times reports that uh, fatalities per capita increased by double digits, 14%, in 2021. And that is very unusual because over a 40-year stretch, the numbers have not fluctuated by more than single digits. They usually stay within a mean. So what happened in 2021? What is happening to driving? Is it getting worse? 100% on the JR poll agree it's getting worse. Nobody felt differently about that. We did have a lot of theories about why it's getting worse, and a lot of them revolved around um, COVID, either that people fell out of practice with driving or that... um, COVID has somehow changed us in terms of our attitudes toward one another. I hear that explanation for a lot of things. You know, we, I guess we, we really see the, the, the hand of COVID in a whole lot of things. And by COVID, I don't just mean the virus itself, but, you know, the political response, the shutdowns, the mandates, all that stuff, the politics of it. We see that in a lot of things that we're dissatisfied by. And um, I even had uh, one suggestion that maybe uh, people who were hunkered down, people that stayed in, should have to recertify for their driver's license. That would be a, a hugely popular idea. I'd love to be the politician that suggested that. Oh, the people would love that. But anyway, um, thanks to everybody that voted and everybody that called on all the things that we talked about uh, tonight. You know... Um, you may remember when she was elected, we talked about uh, Winsome Sears, the new lieutenant governor of Virginia. I, I've had a, I've had this story in my pile of things here for days, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it. The other day, Winsome Sears, as the lieutenant governor of Virginia, presides over the Virginia Senate. She was convening the Senate, and she couldn't find the gavel, so she took off her high heel shoe and banged it on the podium to convene the Virginia State Senate. One more reason we love Winston Sears. I'll sit back here tomorrow night at 4.